You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. Each week, a member of our staff shares a Devo, talking through a piece of our mission, vision, and culture. This is that Devo. Let's check it out. So we're going to be continuing looking at the mission, uh, mission, vision, culture um, of our church, the mission statement that we have, and we're going to be looking at it and um, hopefully doing somewhat of a deep exploration. And so uh, if you look at our mission statement, I've been able to sort of divide it up into six blocks, and then we're going to take um, over a period of six weeks, and so this is week four. We're going to look at the different components and the different elements of our mission statement. And so I'll read it for you one more time. I'm sure everybody knows it well by now. But our mission statement here at the church is that we are leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus. And so today we're going to look at this word faithful. And this word faithful is, you know, for us as we sort of look at that mission statement, it's that being faithful is to be faithful in every area of life. So the verse I want to share with you to get us started is this is an illustration that Jesus is making about the importance of faithfulness. And he's using a parable about money to teach the disciples something. But it works for us today, even though we're not talking about finances. But Jesus is teaching in Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Paul also lists faithfulness as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit being active in our lives. So I have a few thoughts about being faithful in every area of life. And then I want to consider what the opposite or the alternative would look like. So faith, the definition that I've used a number of times in the church and still believe is an an accurate way of thinking about faith is that uh, faith is believing in and committing to a promise. Faith is believing in and committing to a promise. Now in the English, we say the word faithful, and of course that means full of faith. And a helpful way to think about it is um, to think about a sinking ship. So Moses is obsessed with the Titanic right now, the historical event, not the movie. He's not allowed to watch that. But he's obsessed with the Titanic. And if you think about it, the sinking ship, you know, the Titanic, as it sank, there is not a single part of the ship that was not affected by water. Every single, every single nook and cranny, every single part of the ship was affected by water. And when we sink into faith, when we are consumed by faith, when we are faithful, we are full of faith. There is not a single part of our lives that is left unaffected by faith. Every area of my life will be full of belief and commitment to the promise God has made and the promises he has answered in Jesus. So I've got eight things, eight things that I think sort of help bring this home and help flesh this out. Being faithful in every area of life means we are, number one, imitating God. Being faithful in every area of life means we are imitating God. Now, we, of course, we cannot imitate God's sovereignty or authority or power, but we are invited to imitate his faithfulness. Faithfulness is one of the qualities that God embodies, and we are also charged to embrace this as his people. He is faithful because he keeps his promises. We are faithful because we trust his promises. It's a little old-fashioned now, but... Um, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago when, you know, all these young Christians were wearing WWJD um, wristbands. What would Jesus do? Now, there's many things that we could say as we point to Jesus as our role model and the one that we're imitating. But let's be honest, being faithful is very, very high on that list of qualities that Jesus embodied that we are likewise invited to imitate. Second thing, Being faithful in every area of life means we are, number two, defined by Jesus. 
Um, there are some great pieces of American literature. Um, for some, they think about Hemingway. Um, I think of The Office. And there's an episode of The Office where um, this sort of Michael has everybody go around and answer the question of what religion are you? And one guy takes exception to this. And he says, well, if you're reducing me to my religion, it is, and I, I forget what he said, it was an Eastern religion, but he just sort of said, if you're reducing me to my religion and took objection and was unhappy that, you know, Michael, obviously Michael being deeply insensitive, that's why the show is amazing, but would sort of dare just sort of expect you to reduce your identity. And the only notable aspect of your life is your religious faith. As a Christian, we shouldn't be offended by that. We shouldn't be offended by that. I get the office is the office. But as believers, this should be what we want to be defined by. The way Paul says it, I've got two verses from Paul. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. No, of course, Paul isn't talking about, you know, the, the, you know Jesus has sort of come back and, you know, the Holy Spirit is embodying him, you know, to the point where Paul, no, that's not what Paul is saying, but it's like, but by my very definition, by who I am, by what people observe in my life, by what matters, by what priorities I have. It's not me, it's Jesus. Paul also says in Colossians, for you died, talking about other believers, not just himself, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This is a wonderful scripture. So while in America's greatest literature, people were offended by being reduced to their faith. As believers in Jesus, this isn't something we should be offended by, but something we should be honored by. That when people see us, they see something of God in us. Adjusting, our life is adjusting to his values and his priorities and his way, not acclimatizing to the world around us, but rather we are defined by Jesus. Third thing, I've got eight, so I've got to rattle these along. Being faithful in every area of life means we are okay being different okay being different. I'm going to make a statement, and I've thought about this, and after thinking about it for a while, I'm confident to stand by it. Imitating the world and being faithful are incompatible. Imitating the world and being faithful are incompatible. A conversation that we've had with our children recently as they're starting to get to that age where these conversations are necessary is we're teaching the kids that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we will be different from your peers. We will be different from other families. And we need to be okay with that. Now, we're trying to have this conversation in a very age-appropriate way. But it is a great reminder for all of us, as followers of Jesus, with a different set of priorities, a different sense of values, a different sense of morality and ethics, we will and we should expect to be different. And we should be okay with that. I think I've talked about this maybe six months or so ago, but we talked about this idea of being a relevant church. And being a relevant church isn't necessarily the buzzword it was, you know, a number of years ago. You'd hear people talk about being a relevant church a lot. But for a long time, I think people bought into this misconception that a relevant church meant that you had, you know, really impressive lights and you had smoke machines and, you know, you kind of pastors wore skinny jeans. And that was being relevant church. I now believe that being a relevant church means you know the hurts, the cares and concerns of the community that your church is planted in. And you know how to present the gospel in a way that addresses the deepest hurts of the people in your community so that people come to Jesus knowing that he truly is the answer. Wonderful example of this, Chuck Smith, Jesus Revolution. At no point did Chuck Smith grow out his hair, get a caftan, and walk around barefoot. But he told the hippies how much Jesus loves them. 
He told them how much they need to abandon their ways and get right with God. And good things happened in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. Number four, being faithful in every area of life means we are repeatedly proving our faith. Repeatedly proving our faith. If you're following along the uh, New Testament plan we're going through as a church, we read this not long ago, Luke 3, 8. This is John the Baptist talking. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. The world will give you and I innumerable opportunities to prove and demonstrate our faithfulness. Life will give us many, many chances to choose God's way instead of the world's way. Um, an example that stood out to me, Megan might remember this, she may not. It was maybe 10 years ago. Uh, we ordered something from walmart.com. Now, back then, I'm sure that they've modified things a lot, but back then, um, walmart.com and Walmart, the brick-and-mortar store, they didn't communicate with each other, and they weren't friends. So we ordered something online. We found, I think it was a pair of boots. I'm looking at Megan, and she's looking blank back at me. We ordered a pair of boots. They were $90 reduced to 40 so we got this, you know, boots on sale from walmart.com. They came, they were the wrong size. So we go to the brick and mortar store to return them. Walmart looked at us like we had six heads. After some conversation and after a little bit of, I'd like to speak to the manager, please, they acquiesced and they were willing to accept the boots on return. And as they came to process the refund, they started to issue us $90, not 40. Now we got a choice. Are we going to steal $50 from Walmart or are we going to do the right thing? And we inconvenienced the manager because the absolute headache of them having to go back and redo the refund at a different amount was insurmountable. But I'm glad we did the right thing. And those opportunities, big ones, small ones, in-betweens, they will come up Day after day, there will be countless opportunities to make that right decision, to make that decision that we are going to do the right thing, that we are indeed going to prove our faith by how we're living. Fifth thing, being faithful in every day of life means we are dependable. <clears throat> we are dependable. We often use the, the term faithful to describe this as someone whose yes means yes. And we would rightly call them faithful. Um, it's very easy for us right now to be able to point to Mike and Ann Cheers as an incredibly faithful couple who for decades, when they said yes, you knew they meant it. When they said no, you trusted they had good reason. But their yes meant yes, their no meant no, and they have decades of faithfulness to point to. So when we say faithful and we mean dependable, it is right and it is appropriate. Sixth thing, being faithful in every area of life means we are able to withstand pressure, able to withstand pressure. Um, whenever I hear stories of Christians in persecuted nations standing up for their faith, oftentimes costing them their lives, certainly their safety, typically the people that are telling those stories, their, their hope is that they're going to inspire us with tales of courage or possibly to be praying for our brothers and sisters overseas. But I always feel a heavy challenge and a conviction because my faith has never been tested with a machine gun. True faithfulness, the kind demonstrated by martyrs throughout history, that's a faith that withstands pressure, and that's the kind of faithfulness I want. I've never had a machine gun pointed at me. I certainly have never had a machine gun pointed at me because I'm a Christian. I hope that my faith is the kind of faith that should that ever happen, 
I would stand strong in my conviction. I would stand strong in my loyalty and my faithfulness to the Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the one that set me free. Seventh one, being faithful and effective in every area of life means we are rapid to bounce back. Rapid to bounce back. So far, the things that I've covered, they've been a strong call to be faithful, the call to be different, and that our faith is proven repeatedly and that it withstands pressure. These are strong calls that are put upon us. And yet, every single one of us, except me, has messed this up. I remain perfect. Just don't ask Megan to verify. Part of being faithful is bouncing back quickly. A part of being faithful is bouncing back quickly. When we mess up, when we are not being faithful the way that we should, when we've given into a temptation, when we've taken the wrong direction, when we haven't lived up to the commitment and the promises that we made to God, bounce back quickly. Get back on the horse. Rapidly bounce back. This verse from 1 John should be a deep encouragement to us. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Rapid bounce back. Number eight, practice daily disciplines. Being faithful in every area of life means we are practicing daily disciplines. This past Sunday, I mentioned this. um, I made a ridiculous mistake. You can put it in the archives of stupid thing Tom said in a sermon because I called these boring things. And it was while I was mid-message, I realized I'd given my notes to Josh and what I had designated these things that I'm going to cover one more time. I'd said boring things. I was like, Tom, you're about to tell the church that reading the Bible is boring. Tom, you're about to tell the church that praying is boring. This is a mistake. This is something that should not have been said. And I did it anyway. And I felt ridiculous. Anyway, the boring things, they're boring, not because the activities themselves are boring. I need to find a different adjective. I'm going to start saying daily disciplines. But the four things, no believer in 2,000 years has reinvented the wheel. The four things continually of building a life of faith, the four daily disciplines that should matter to us as believers. Reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, having worship, and spending time with other believers in fellowship. Bible, prayer, worship, fellowship. That's it. Those four things, if those are part of our daily life, is that we're spending time in God's word, if we're spending time praying and seeking God, and we're spending time worshiping and elevating our glory to him, like just glorifying him, and spending time with other believers and iron sharpening iron, those are the ingredients to build a life of faith. Nobody has reinvented that wheel. I've used this illustration a number of times, but this idea of you are a bottle of water. And what I mean by that is that a bottle of water, if you set it down, the bottle will adjust to whatever temperature is in the room at the time. Sooner or later, it will adjust. It will acclimatize. If you want the water to be a different temperature than the room that it's in, you need to do something to it. If you want it cold, it has to go in the fridge. You have to do something. If you want it warm, you have to heat it up, whatever. But you cannot just put a water on the side and then get annoyed that it is adjusted to room temperature. It will happen by default. If we want our lives to not just acclimatize to the world around us, We have to do something to our lives. We have to get in the word. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to worship. We have to spend time with believers. That's what ensures that our life is not just going to adjust to the world around us. 
But I want to consider the opposite or the alternative of living a faithful life, of living a life that we're faithful in every single area. And on my mind weren't people who re have rejected God outwardly. These, what was on my mind as I sort of thought about this, they weren't people that are, are completely, you know, rejecting church and rejecting faith, but rather people that attempted to just fill a pew on a Sunday morning. This is the idea of, you know, somebody may come to church on a Sunday, but that Sunday doesn't make a difference to, you know, their weekly, um, you know, their, their, day, their life every day by day. And I thought about this idea of, you know, we talked about imitating God. And instead of imitating God, we're just following the desires of our heart. Instead of being defined by Jesus, we're letting the world tell us what we're worth. Instead of being okay, being different, we're trying our best to fit in. Instead of repeatedly proving our faith, we can repeatedly reveal that our faith is an afterthought. Instead of being dependable, we can just be wishy-washy. Instead of being able to withstand pressure, we surrender at the first sign of trouble. Instead of being rapid to bounce back, we let our mistakes own our destiny. Instead of practicing daily disciplines, we struggle to remember God day after day. Instead of that, I want to use this illustration, this parable from Jesus, and let this really minister to us. Matthew 13, 33, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. When we surrender to him, when he make him Lord, it permeates each and every part of our life. There is nothing off limits. There is nothing untouched, nothing unaffected. And that truly affects every area of life. So at the risk of ending on a down note, um, I think it's appropriate that we pray for people who have some kind of desire to follow Jesus and some kind of want to follow him, some kind of you know, desire to have Jesus in their life, but they're not living faithful. There's an area of their life that's off limits to him. I want to take a few moments and pray for those people. Lord, you know the, the people that are interested in who you are. They have questions about who you are. They're, they're trying to figure out one step in front of the other. And maybe for decades, they've sat in churches, but they've never really submitted to your lordship. They've never truly let their faith in you permeate and affect every area of their life. Lord, may that change. Lord, may something happen. May people see that it is right, it is appropriate, and it is worth it to give ourselves completely to you, to completely surrender to you. Lord, to honor you as Lord over all, as King of kings. Lord, that is, it is right, it is good. Lord, that trying to figure it out on our own is not the way to go through life. Lord, being defined by the world is not the way to go through life. Being driven by the desires of our heart is not the way to go through life. Lord, buckling at the first sign of trouble. Lord, even being ashamed or timid to admit that, you know, we go to church or we're following you is it's not the way to go. So, Lord, you know these precious people. Lord, help us as a church to minister to them. The Holy Spirit, we ask you grab a hold of their hearts and that you lead them home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.